Good afternoon, everybody. Turning your Bibles to, over to Judges chapter 11. That was incredible to hear everyone singing together. Let's go ahead. Shh, we're going to pray. And then I'll turn over to Judges chapter 11, please. Our Father in heaven, uh, thank you so very much for this uh, beautiful afternoon. Thank you for your incredible word. Father, it doesn't matter if it's a young person, middle age, or older person speaking your word. Uh, your word is eternal. It's powerful. It holds so much truth and conviction and comfort and compassion and direction. Father, we would be so lost without your word. And God, I do pray right now that um, I know on a Sunday afternoon our energy can be low. Yes. And God, you know in each of our hearts uh, how, where we're at spiritually in our walk with you. And I pray that uh, for this next little bit that everyone will be riveted to your words. And that they would listen to what the Holy Spirit has to say, God. And Father, I pray it would minister to every human heart in this room. Thank you for all those that are visiting. Thank you for those that are studying. Uh, thank you for the teenagers in our midst. We love our youth ministry. And thank you for the families and the singles and just all the different things you've done in our lives. We pray that you would bless this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, you know, uh, we're doing a series called Iron Men. And we're looking at men from the book of Judges. And uh, I know uh, last week uh, Reuben preached about uh, Gideon. And then I forget, I wasn't here the week prior, so I don't remember what Brian preached. Ehud, uh, uh, today I'm going to preach about a guy named Jephthah, and uh, that's a kind of an odd name. Uh, but the title of the lesson today, can I get a clicker? Yeah, it's in my bag. Maybe you can, Elias, can you get it for him? It's in my bag right there, in one of those green pouches. I, I forgot to give it to him. But we've been looking at the book of uh, Judges, and uh, Jephthah... Uh, is today called Leader of the Pack. And I do think that Jephthah, we're going to be able to relate to uh, in a great way. And, um, you know, it's interesting, if you switch to the next slide, uh, the um, Hebrews 11:32 mentions Jephthah. And he says, what more shall I say? I don't have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Simpson, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. You know what I love about this uh, passage? I'm going to go back a second. What I love about this passage is each one of these guys had a part of their life they weren't too proud of. Literally. Everyone on that list. Gideon, slightly insecure, failed, didn't end very strong. Uh, Barak, held back. You remember his, the story about Barak? I listened to it today when I was riding my bike. You know about Barak? How he's, Deborah, I'm not going to go unless you go with me. Now he rose to the challenge, but he held back as a man. Samson. Uh, we know Samson who ended strong, but really messed up his whole life with sexual sin and arrogance and pride. Uh, Jephthah. We're not going to talk about the negative side of Jephthah. You can go back and read it in uh, 12, uh, chapter 12 of Judges about uh, his impulsivity and what happened because of that. And even about the civil war that took place under his leadership. Uh, David, we know what David did. Committed adultery, murder, 
deceit, messed up the kingdom. His whole family was messed up after that. Samuel, his kids were messed up. And the prophets. You go, Marco, come on, sermon is supposed to encourage me. What I want to say, though, is these are the Bible heroes. And I think we love it when someone up here shares their struggles versus their strengths because we go, oh, man, they struggle just like me. They have things that I, they feel defeated about and that they're weakened just like me. Well, those are our Bible heroes. Not all of them, but a good portion of them. And it's interesting to think that these are the men that were lifted up in Hebrews 11 as God's heroes, as iron men, as people that did great things. So wherever you're at today, in your heart and in your journey and in where you're at in life, I hope you can be encouraged by these guys. That though they messed up, I would say every one of them, God used them very powerfully. And it says, I love what it says here, whose weakness was turned to strength. And look at this last next line, who became powerful in battle. You know, we don't become powerful unless we go to battle. If we just sit on the sidelines and we're nice religious people that take in the word twice a week, sing, clap, stand, give... And those are all important things. But we don't get in the battle ourselves. Then we don't become powerful. The Bible says we're ignited. These men became powerful in battle. You know, it's interesting here about Jephthah. Uh, the scholars kind of defined his name from the original language in a couple different ways. But one of the ways they defined his name, what his name meant, was God frees the captive. God frees the captive. And we all have things in our life presently or from the past that hold us captive. And the evil one is constantly on the attack for me. He's constantly on the attack for you. He never lets up. He's always scheming, the Bible says. And the Bible says right here, 1 Corinthians 10.13, a passage we memorized as, as a singles ministry. No temptation has seized you, means taking you captive, except what is common to man. See, when we go through things, Satan wants to toy with our emotions and say, nobody has it as hard as you. Everybody else, their situation's easier and better. And I don't know about you, but when I'm struggling sometimes, I can get envious of other people's situation. Why does their family work so well together and mine has challenges? Why does their marriage work so well together? And I can put myself in this fantasy land. I know all their kids line up and they brush their teeth at the same time. And yes, dad, and then they all go single file and give. And it's a fantasy. It's an illusion. Everybody has struggles. Everybody has things that take them captive. The Bible says God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. You know, the Bible is a story of overcomers. The Bible is a story of overcomers. And that's what we're going to talk about today. How Jephthah was an overcomer. And, you know, when you think about it, I really love the leadership group that we have here in uh, the um, South Bay Church. These brothers are overcomers. And just like you, when someone's struggling, you relate to them. Also, when you see someone overcome, 
a struggle, you go, man, that gives me courage. That's why Peter talks about, you know that your brothers all around the world are undergoing the same kinds of sufferings. He's trying to encourage us, saying, it's not just you. Other people are going through it, and they're overcoming. And I so appreciate the brothers that I get to partner with. You know, I've seen Elias overcome things in his character. I've seen him overcome disappointment. I've seen him overcome his past. I've watched Reuben overcome embracing correction, loving challenge. We talked about it, and I appreciate his attitude of overcoming that and saying, I want that. You know, Steve Marici's overcome so much, and their wives as well. I'm just talking about the guys. So many tough life situations. So many ministry situations. Out of the ministry in a very difficult time. And then got back in with a very pure heart. Different family situations. Such an overcomer. So resilient. You know, Brian Craig and I have been together in the ministry here for 12 and a half years. I've watched him overcome discouragement. Character things. Role changes. And I appreciate that he just gets back up and he overcomes. You know, Mark Shump, I've only worked with for a little while, but I've just him sharing his story, how he got out of the ministry and what he went through and the job they had and just the different struggles. And to see Alexis now, years later, be sent off in such an amazing way. It's because he's been such an overcomer. Role changes with him. When Joe Salippo left, it was hard because they were so close. Seeing him overcome. And this is not an exhaustive list. But when I think about these things, it gives me courage that I get to partner with such great overcomers. You know, Henry and I have been together for 12 and a half years. I've seen him overcome discouragement, family challenges, intense work situations, character changes. I'm so thankful that he's an overcomer. And it's not just these guys. If you're a Christian, the only way to stay faithful is to be an overcomer. And we all have reasons on why we can't overcome. You know, this um, in Judges 11, we're going to read uh, about um, 18 verses here. And then we'll go into our lesson here. You know, I want to just tell you, Thomas Edison, one of the most prolific inventors, he holds the fourth most patents, 1,039 patents. Uh, out of any inventor ever, uh, if you've read anything about him, he was like incredibly resilient, incredibly tenacious. When trying to figure out the light bulb filament, he spent $100,000, think about how much that was worth back then, in today's value, to obtain 6,000 different fiber specimens. And only three of them proved satisfactory. Each failure brought him that much closer to the solution to his problem. His friend Henry Ford was right when he said that failure was, quote, the opportunity to begin again more intelligently. And, and the thing about Thomas Edison was he would take an ostrich feather or whatever, filament, and he'd burn it, you know, he'd try it, it would burn up. And he'd go, hmm, interesting. And he'd make a little notation in his book. Maybe it could be used for a perfume. And then off to the next thing. He looked at everything as, hey, I can use this for something. We can still do something with this. You know, Judges chapter 11, verse 1. Jephthah the Gileadite was a mighty warrior. His father was Gilead. His mother was a prostitute. Gilead's wife also bore him sons. And when they were grown up, they drove Jephthah away. You are not going to get, you are not going to get any inheritance in our family they said, because you are the son of another woman. So Jephthah fled from his brothers and settled in the land of Tob, where a gang of scoundrels gathered around him and followed him. Sometime later, when the Ammonites were fighting against Israel, the elders of Gilead went to get Jephthah from the land of Tob. Come, they said, be our commander so we can fight the Ammonites. Jephthah said to them, didn't you hate me and drive me from my father's house? 
Why do you come to me now when you are in trouble? The elders of Gilead said to him, Nevertheless, we are turning to you now. Come with us to fight the Ammonites, and you will be head over all of us who live in Gilead. Jephthah answered, Suppose you take me back to fight the Ammonites, and the Lord gives them to me. Will I really be your head? The elders of Gilead replied, The Lord is our witness. We will certainly do as you say. So Jephthah went with the elders of Gilead, and the people made him head and commander over them. And he repeated all his words before the Lord and Mizpah. Then Jephthah sent messengers to the Ammonite king with this question. What do you have against me that you've attacked my country? The king of the Ammonites answered Jephthah's messengers. When Israel came up out of Egypt, they took away my land from Arnon to Jabbok, all the way to the Jordan. Now give it back peaceably. Skip down to verse 23. And so he goes on, Jephthah goes on to tell the Bible history of, no, that's not what happened. Let's talk about what happened. And he explained how they tried to be considerate. They went around the different territories. Then they, and they attacked God's people and then God gave His people a victory. Look at how he closes out here as he's speaking to the enemy. Now since the Lord, the Lord, verse 23, the God of Israel has driven the Amorites out before His people Israel, what right do you have to take it over? Will you not take what your God Chemosh gives you? Likewise, whatever the Lord our God has given us, we will possess. Are you any better than Balak, son of Zippor, king of Moab? Did he ever quarrel with Israel or fight with them? For 300 years, Israel occupied Heshbon, Eror, the surrounding settlements, and all the towns along the Arnon. Why didn't you retake them during that time? I have not wronged you, but you are doing me wrong by waging war against me. Let the Lord judge decide the dispute this day between the Israelites and the Ammonites. The king of Ammon, however, paid no attention to the message Jephthah sent him. Verse 29, Then the, Lord, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah. He crossed Gilead and Manasseh, passed through Mitzpah of Gilead, and from there he advanced against the Ammonites. And he went on to win the battle and become the leader of Israel for six years. You know, what a story about a guy that overcomes. You know, many of us, most of us have all heard of the famous orator and educator, Booker T. Washington. And Booker T. Washington said this. You know, he was similar in that he was half white. He never knew who his dad was. And he was born a slave, and he was the one that went to form the Tuskegee Institute. And he advanced education for blacks in the South at a time when it was totally impossible. And he says, success is to be measured not so much by the position that one has reached in life, as by the obstacles which he has to overcome while trying to succeed. We love overcoming stories. We love when our kids overcome something. We love when we feel like, man, I went through something hard and I overcame. It inspires us. It encourages us. And truly, success isn't just what you achieve, but what you did to get there. And the story of that. Are you an overcomer? Let's look at some things here about Jephthah. And, you know, some of these I'm just guessing on. Only by, the Bible doesn't say, but I just, using good human common sense about what I would feel or probably you would feel too if you were in this situation. Jephthah was the son of a prostitute. Which, we don't know if his dad just went and saw a prostitute while he was married, if his dad saw a prostitute before he was married, we don't know. 
All we know is his mom wasn't around and it was put into the scriptures that he was the son of a prostitute. Think about how you would feel being referred to as that and knowing that that's your upbringing. That the only reason I'm here was because my dad chose to go sleep with a prostitute. And now I'm, in, now I'm in existence. Think about the badge of shame that he carried with him. Jephthah had feelings of rejection. You say, how is that? Well, that first fact that I read, but then secondly, as his, his half-brothers that were from the mom and dad, not just the dad, as they grew up, they got mean. And as they kind of figured things out, they said, wait a second, one more person, that means the inheritance gets split one more way. They got greedy, they got mean, and they said, get out of here, son of a prostitute. You're not getting any of the inheritance. It doesn't belong to you. You're not really part of this family. Think about, as a young person or a grown adult, how much that would hurt. And off he went. Jephthah had feelings of being unwanted. Why didn't Gilead stand up for him? Jephthah felt unprotected by his father and his family. And for some of us that grew up not knowing our dad, or maybe our dad didn't do such of a good job, you can relate with this. Jephthah was treated incredibly unfair, wouldn't you say? And Jephthah was tempted with discontentment and bitterness. You say, the Bible doesn't say that, but wouldn't you be? To go, man, what happened? Why is this happening to me? I didn't make this choice. Why am I getting the short end of the stick? Jephthah could have believed that God couldn't use him as a son of a prostitute and with his own issues that he had from those things. And finally, Jephthah could have given in to self-pity and anger and walked away. I'm not saying he didn't have self-pity. I'm not saying that he wasn't angry. You could see it in the Scriptures how he felt. But he didn't walk away. He walked to the situation. He could have walked away. You know, one of the challenges as you mature as a Christian and as you age as a person, the longer you live and the longer you walk in the faith, the more scars you're going to get. You say, why is that? It's, the, it's life. It's just, you, you've been around the track a few more times. So there's more opportunity to be hurt. Where Satan tweaks us is to say, you're the only one. Oh, poor you. And we all know that we could go in a, in a world of seven point whatever billion people. I think we could find a billion people that have it a little worse than you, don't you? A billion. That live on less than a dollar a day. What they call extreme poverty. Meaning they're just on the edge of, if you get sick just a little too long, pneumonia or something, or... You can't work for just a few days because you're already so weak. Or you get injured on the job. You're already so much on the edge of just, I don't, one more bad factor happens, I'm going to die. You know, it's all how uh, and where our perspective is. Are you an overcomer? If you're a Christian, you are an overcomer. But if you want to stay strong and you want to do more and more for God, you have to continue to be an overcomer. We've got to fight the flesh. The flesh wants us to get settled. The flesh wants us to be entitled. The flesh wants us to compare. The flesh wants us to be critical. It's always there. And the older we get, the more tempted we're going to be to be ungrateful and to look at the kingdom or look at God's promises as ho-hum. Yeah, it's all right. It's okay. But not to feel it on the inside. 
We need to be the one who overcomes. Let's, um, let's look at a couple insights here from this story. And you may not relate with any of these insights, but you've got your own situations that you need to overcome, that hold you back. But here's three things that I think are huge from this story and from the character of Jephthah. Number one, you've got to overcome your past. Psalm 103.12 talks about as far as the east is from the west, so is as far as God removes our sins from us. Why does the Bible talk about being strong in the grace? Why does Paul end his letters and start his letters with grace? Grace and peace be with you. Because some of us, we understand grace and we embrace grace and we feel grace. Others of us, we just, it's like, you know, comes and goes. But we've got to be people who overcome our past. Everybody has a past. And that past, it comes to the present, haunts us sometimes, or it makes us doubt. You know, we've got to, the way we overcome our past is we have to face our past. And we can't face our past. I remember Brian did a sermon, I don't know, four or five years ago. Where's Brian? He left already. There he is. When he talked about grace is the place to face the real you. That stuck with me. It stuck with Michelle. That when you are strong in the grace, then you can face the you of the past. You can face the you of now. You can face yourself without just kind of folding. Because you know God thinks highly of you still. And you're able to embrace your mistakes, even if they're today's past, in a, in a helpful and healthy way. But Jephthah had a past that he needed to overcome. How do you overcome your past? You have to face it. You've got to talk about it. You've got to forgive constantly. You've got to confess your sins constantly. You go, when in the past? Well, the past is just right now, right before. Or the past could be ten years ago. It just depends where you're at. But if we don't overcome our past, it will hinder us and it will stop us from being used by God. Being useful to God. Being powerful for God. And to the relation that we overcome our past is to the relation that we're joyful, we're hopeful, we're faithful, and that God uses us. You know, a lot of people don't like to think about their past because they don't know what to do with it. But when you've been baptized into Christ and you've repented of your sins, the Bible promises us in 1 John 1 that there's a continual cleansing of sin. Like windshield wipers. It just keeps moving. Where the blood of Jesus is like a fountain that just keeps flowing over us. Everybody messes up. Every day. And everybody messes up every week. That's why we take communion. It's to remind us, not just to feel guilty, but it's to remind us, Jesus is your Lord again. (laughs) Please forgive me for this week. This and this and this and this and this. Keep my heart soft and wash me. I know I'm already washed, but just help me feel washed. Help me live as Hebrews talks about. Cleanse my conscience from accidentally to death so I can serve the living God. But we've got to face our past and overcome our past. We've got to stand in the grace and the mercy of God 
and rest in it. Find strength in it. Maybe you were in leadership in the past and you feel burned or angry or ineffective. And so you just shy away from it versus saying, what can I do better? And I'm always, at the end of the day, I'm just a servant of the Lord. However I can be used. Maybe you failed, not maybe, you have failed in the past. And that failure is now making you play it safe spiritually. You've seen, if you're a Christian long enough, you've seen how many people get right to the doors of becoming a Christian. But because they want to play it safe and stay in control of everything, they don't make it. They logically grasp everything. They know emotionally this is the right thing. But they say to themselves, I'll do it later, I'll be right back. Because they don't want to face failure. Maybe you've seen people leave God and it's really hurt your faith. You've got to overcome that. It has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with them and God. Maybe you've drifted in the past and you don't have the confidence or the courage that I could be soft-hearted again. I don't know where you're at. But people that succeed spiritually are people that can overcome the past. We've got to go and overcome our past. You know, teens, you go, well, I don't really have much of a past yet. Well, still become an overcomer because you will quickly and you'll make mistakes constantly and there's things you wish you would have, could have done differently and as you forgive God, you know, you ask for forgiveness from God, you get open and you forgive yourself. God uses you once again and once again and once again. Jephthah had to overcome his past. He was known as the son of a prostitute. He had a lot of hurt, a lot of anger. Even look who he surrounded himself with. One version says a band of scoundrels. Another version says a reckless adventurers. I mean, he just found other people that were messed up and said, let's do something. I don't know what he was doing, but he was obviously a warrior that had a past... And he was obviously known he's the guy that gets the job done. I don't know if he was a mercenary. I don't know what he was doing. But they went to him and said, Could you help our country? We know that you're tough. You're going to get the job done. You know, one of the other things about overcoming our past, and I'll come back here in a second to this slide, is this concept of Revel- in Revelation 10, verse 12, verse 10 and 11. Please uh, look up there and, or, uh, as I read it. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of His Christ for the accuser of our brothers who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. They overcame Him, Satan, by two things. By the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much and this was written during intense persecution where people were losing their lives as to shrink back from death. There is so much power in the blood of Christ. You say, well, how do I tap into that power? Well, you become a Christian, repent of your sins, make Jesus Lord of your life, repent of your sins, get baptized. That's how you tap into the power. But then you rely on the blood. You think about the blood. You say, I need the blood. God, I can't change anything without the blood. And you overcome by the word of your testimony. If you don't share your faith regularly... It's very hard to be a strong Christian. It really is. Why? Because every time you talk to somebody about Jesus, you're kind of reconverting yourself. You're reminding yourself, do I really believe this? 
is there really power in this? Does this really work? Do I believe it enough to look like an idiot? Or the word, the Bible word is a fool for Christ? Because, you know, people look at you and they kind of... And you feel that moment of, man, I'm just like coming across like a loser right now. You feel that awkwardness, that weird, that alien and stranger. But the Bible says we overcome Satan by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Let me talk about pain a little bit. Living with pain. Trouble and pain are almost always intertwined. Overcoming or breaking the pain barrier is one of the secrets of victorious living. It is estimated that one out of every 400,000 babies are born with a rare genetic disease called dysentonomia, where victims are unable to feel any pain and usually die early. Why is that? Because pain actually does something. It's a sensor. It tells us when things are wrong. Persons, or athletes in particular, have their careers altered because they take all kinds of drugs to dull the pain and to keep playing rather than to figure out what the source is, get the rest, the therapy they need, and get back in the game. They just keep taking cortisone and pills and whatever, 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 and they just keep playing through the pain. And then one day things snap, so to speak. Pain is not God's way of punishing people, but rather His way of warning people that something is wrong physically, mentally, or spiritually. Jesus did not shy away from difficulties. In fact, in John 12, He said, My soul is troubled! But what am I going to say? Father, save me from this very hour? No! You can see Him talking Himself through it. No, He says. It was for this very hour I've come. Jesus struggled with pain, but He overcame. Let's go back here a little bit. How about unfair treatment? Would you say Jephthah was treated unfair? You know, this, is, this one is huge. We are all treated unfairly all the time. And as a Christian, there's certain things you just don't do, places you don't go, things you don't think, people you'd never date, conversations you don't have. And it's not just this list of don't, don't, don't. I'm just saying as a Christian, you make decisions. I'm going to keep myself in a safe place. Who I am, how I am, what I intake... Where, what I have in my, affect my soul, I'm going to be very careful. And sometimes it feels unfair. How come she gets to wear that and I have to wear this? Booty shorts? I threw mine away. Just want to see if you guys are, uh, just want to see if you guys are paying attention. Just see if you're paying attention. I didn't have any, seriously. I did wear dolphin shorts in the 80s, though, on campus. The little slit up the side, you know? The little tank top, the netted tank top that was see-through. Three different colors. Orange, burnt fire orange, yellow, red or something. Just, just, it's awesome. Hair parted down the middle. Anyway, let's stay focused. But we've got this whole thing about unfair treatment. Jephthah was treated incredibly unfair. It's amazing he rose to the challenge. If anybody felt like he had been jacked, it was him. You know how you deal with unfairness at work? 
says everything to God. And says everything to the condition of your heart. How you feel, deal with unfairness with your roommate or your spouse. Because there's certain things that are just unfair. Hey, how come she gets to do this and I have to be stuck here? And how come he get Like, there's just... You can't go there. Or how about your neighbors? You ever get agitated by your neighbors? I realized something when I lived in Long Beach. I had certain neighbors that didn't like me and I wasn't exactly fond of. And I thought to myself, because they were just... You know, whether it was loud music, parties, them critical of the church, thinking I was doing drugs because all the people were coming in and out, telling me I couldn't park in front of my house. This isn't, one, my, one neighbor said, this isn't Holmes Tuttle Ford. If you wanted that, have a church, go have it somewhere else, not at your house. I didn't have a church in my house, but, you know, people don't understand. And I thought to myself, man, I'm not really fond of him, them. I was kind of making the whole cul-de-sac almost. I need to move. But I realized as I moved... Those same neighbors followed me. Not the same people, but it was new situations. And you know, people typically aren't that honest with you, but I bet I've irritated my neighbors. I don't bet. I know I've irritated my neighbors a lot. And so have you. With your trash cans, with noise, with the way you park your car on the street, whatever. It's a little unfair sometimes. Why are they looking at me like that? Why are they critical? What? Let it go. Who cares? Us overcoming unfair treatment is everything. If we're always trying to balance the books, make it work, hey, that's not fair. We're cooked. You know, for me, when I get unfair treatment, I want to fight back. I want to prove my point. Instead of becoming the lesser man, I become the little man. Do you know what I'm saying? Lowest common denominator. I get all riled up. Now, I can do it without raising my voice. My wife will say, You're yelling. I say, I'm not yelling. That is not yelling. You're yelling. I'm not yelling, honey. If I was yelling, you'd know it. I'm, I'm just getting my point across. That's the little man versus the lesser man. Sometimes with Michelle and the kids, rather than taking the lesser road, I want to defend, explain, and easily get easily angered. Where I deserve respect. I deserve some time off. I deserve to be left alone. I des- Do you guys know what I'm talking about? I deserve some space. Do you know how hard I work today? And of course the kids are like, wow. No, they're like, I'm like, let me tell you how hard. I started it, you know, and right there, the little man. I started it this time. I had this appointment. I, can I just get some love right here? You know, I kind of missed the point, trying to make it fair. You know, Dr. Um, Carl Menninger, a famous psychiatrist, once gave a lecture on mental health. And he was answering questions from the audience and, and someone raised their hand and said, what would you advise somebody who's on the verge of a nervous breakdown? They feel it coming on. Many people thought he would say, go see a psychiatrist immediately because he was a famous psychiatrist. But he didn't. Dr. Manager said to their astonishment, lock up your house, go across the railroad tracks, find somebody in need and help that person. You know, there's such a power when we feel treated unfair or things aren't going our way and we want to make it right that we get out of ourselves and we give to people and are loving and reflect Christ. We can't be fair outside of Christ. Meaning, deal with it. It gums us up outside of Christ. We can't. Only in Christ. Christ was mistreated, misunderstood, 
so many passages. Hebrews 12. You haven't been treated unfairly to the point of shedding your blood. Read 1 Peter 2. It's up on the screen. The whole chapter is about being mistreated in unfairness and still keeping a good heart. It is the hardest passage probably for me in the Bible. 1 Peter 2. It's got stuff in there for husbands. It's got stuff in there for wives. It's got stuff in there for slaves. It's got stuff in there for everybody about how to keep a clear conscience because you're conscious of God versus trying to make it right. The Bible says Jesus was able to handle unfairness because He entrusted Himself to Him who judges justly. The only person that's going to give it to you right is God. And I'm grateful God's not fair. If God was fair, we wouldn't be meeting for church today. God's merciful. God's gracious. He doesn't give us what we deserve. Quite the contrary. He doesn't want to, he's not trying to make it right. It's only made right in Christ. Finally, overcoming discontentment and bitterness. Paul says in Philippians 4, 12 and 13, he says, I have learned the secret. Can somebody tell me that secret? I have learned the secret of being content in any and all circumstances. Now, it's easy to be content when things are going your way. Right? It's easy to be content when the bills make it. It's easy to be content when the car doesn't break again. Again? Just fixed it. Can't I just get a little break? It's easy to be content when we feel settled. But how about when things aren't working the way we hoped? Isn't that like our whole life? And if you don't get content, if you don't stop it there, it absolutely goes into bitterness. You know, last night, uh, we had a, we had an all-day planning meeting with our singles core group from across the region. And it was over about 8 o'clock that night. And uh, two cop cars came into my co- uh, condominium complex. Then a... Then a I'm like, that's kind of weird, with their light on, flashing on our addresses, trying to find an address. And then an ambulance came in, and then a fire engine, big fire engine came in, then the paramedics came in. I'm like, man, what's going on? So I jogged behind them to go see what was going on, because it's a small complex and kind of curious. And I, you know, I run over to the ambulance, and I'm kind of standing there, wanting to see who they're going to bring out. And uh, the paramedics come out, the ambulance people come out firefighters come out with all their stuff and nobody pack up and leave and I see one of my neighbors that I know and I said hey what happened he said oh my neighbor just died he goes I've never talked to her but she wasn't a happy woman 50 years old and he hadn't talked to her but his his fiance had and they both said she was so bitter so lonely she has no one in fact, she has a sister. I said, well, can you call her sister? Let her know? No, they're estranged. Nobody. And the way they knew she was dead in her place was because her car was that's normally in the underground parking garage was parked funny on the street for a couple days. So she had been, I think, maybe dead for a while uh, in, the, in her place. And so I just asked more questions. I said, well, what was she like? And she was just an unhappy person. She was bitter and lonely. So I went home and I told my wife and the kids and Danielle says, Dad... Did you um, share with her? I said, you know, I never even met her. I don't even know who she is. I, mean, I don't know if I've ever seen her. He goes, Dad, maybe we should have door the whole complex and maybe you could have invited her to church. You know, there's so many people, not just in my neighborhood, but in your neighborhood, that are lonely. 
Not connected to anybody. Bitter. And if we're not careful, that's where we go. Even as a Christian. And I felt for the lady. I never met her. I, I looked when I was out praying today. I looked in her car just to see, you know, wow, it's, she's gone. There was her Subway sandwich. You know, still wrapped up in the bag that she'd never even brought in the house. Life's gone like that. So fragile. But if we're not careful, we go that route of being bitter. We've got to overcome discontentment and bitterness. The Bible says in Hebrews 12, 15, See to it that no one misses the grace of God. What does that mean? That God shows us unmerited favor over and over and over and over again. John 1, 16, From the fullness of His grace, we've all received one blessing after another. If you don't feel that from God like a conveyor belt, where the blessings just keep coming, and you can't even like catch them all, you say, that's not my life. Well, it's all how you want to look at it. Compared to whose? And compared to what? Remember how I said you fantasize about other people's lives, how theirs is so much easier and better? It's a fantasy. They just don't talk about their problems or manage them in the same way. Jephthah had to overcome discontentment. And if he didn't, and, and bitterness... You could sense it in his language and you would be... I mean, how could you not? But we've got to be careful, it says, to not miss the grace of God. Meaning it's right there and we don't even see it. He says, uh, and see to it that no bitter root grows up among you. It's under the surface to cause trouble and defile many. You know, I appreciate uh, so much uh, Dwight and Cheryl. You know, went through a very hard time with his job, housing, life situation. And just have had a great attitude. Not that it's been easy, but I appreciate their heart. I mean, kind of like, really hit hard. Still up here singing, still engaged, still giving. I know it's not been easy. It wouldn't have been easy for me. And I'm grateful God blessed them with another job, actually rather quickly. But I appreciate the spirit of overcoming versus giving in to discontentment. Which then leads to bitterness. You know, I think about Helen McKinley, one of our dear sisters who, um, you know, converted in her 50s. Great, great heart. There she is in the back. Hi, Helen. And, uh, you know, her, uh, she took on uh, legal guardianship of her sister who has some real challenges. She took her son. And her son, you know, she had him four or five years, was shot and killed mercilessly in Detroit, right? Saginaw, Michigan. Just wrong place, wrong time. People trying to make a point. And I appreciate how she's really broken up about it because she took it on serious as this is my son. 21 years old? 20 years old. It's devastating. Is she hurting? Yeah. But I appreciate her not being bitter and not giving in and fighting for her faith. It's the worst thing you can think that could happen to you. When I get discontent, it's when times are hard. I get grateful, I get envious, and then I get hopeless. Let me just close with this story. A dog fell into a farmer's well. After assessing the situation, the farmer decided neither the dog nor the well was worth the bother of saving. So he just buried the old dog in the well. This is a made-up story, so all you animal lovers... I know right away, you hadn't paid attention the whole sermon. You're like, dog, what happened? What city is this? This must be in Texas. 
Um, he buried the old dog in the well and put him out of his misery. This is a parable. When the farmer began shoveling dirt down the well, initially the old dog was hysterical. But as the dirt hit his back, the dog realized that every time the dirt landed on his back, he could just stand up, shake his coat, and shake it off. So the dog started to say to himself, shake it off and step up. Shake it off and step up. You know, and so he'd get the dirt on him, shake it off, and then he'd step up on the dirt. And he was saying it to himself over and over again. It wasn't long before the dog, battered and exhausted, stepped triumphantly over the wall of the well. What seemed as though it would bury him actually benefited him. All because of the way he handled the adversity. The adversities that come along to bury us usually have within them the potential to bless us. Forgiveness, faith, prayer, praise, hope are some of the biblical ways to stand up, shake it off, and step up and take us out of the wells that we find ourselves in. Well, Let's be the people that overcome. Revelation 1 through 3, six times it says, to him who overcomes. And he speaks to all the different Christians that have been Christians 20, 30 years. This is what's going to happen if you overcome. Let's be the one that overcomes. Let's overcome our past. Let's overcome unfair treatment. Let's overcome discontentment and bitterness. Thank you.